Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to Under the Radar with me, Sean, your special guest. Tell the people who you are, Rona. I'm Sean's old friend, Rona Cameron. Oh, middle-aged. Well, we're, we're the same age as you know. And then we have a young person. We do. Hi, I'm Alex Emmelman. I'm uh, I'm a new friend of uh, of Sean's. And what age are you, Alex? I just turned 26. Jeez, oh, my yes. God. Do you remember wow. 26? I didn't even do stand-up at 26. What? Uh, no, 27. Wow. We've also got uh, our travel expert, Oscar Herms, in, who's going to tell us about... So, when was the last time you had a holiday, Rona? A holiday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't panic. I've got really bad perimenopausal short-term memory loss. Uh, Is that a place? A year ago, I went to my best friend's 50th in France. Right. Just for a weekend? Uh, no, it was uh, 10 days. We stayed on after the children left. What? Children? You didn't mention children before that. Now yeah, it sounds like something. children. That's why I've not been doing any stand-up. Okay. I've got 15 children now. And they're all in France. Just had them all, just, you know, one after the other. <laughs> a yeah, letter. A letter. Because I, I, I have trouble with, uh, with intimacy. Because Don't of my own adopted wounds, so yeah. I let someone else look after them there. Because it's going to be a heavy podcast. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, when was the last time? Because obviously you're from, you live in New York. I live in New York. So in some ways, the the boring answer is every trip abroad is uh, in some sense a working holiday for me. But the real answer would be 2012. I went with my family to Peru. Mm. What, the whole family went to Peru? Well, not the whole family, I mean, just my... Oh, me. sorry, that's, I my That's where sorry. Paddington's from, isn't it? Uh, he's from Darkest Peru, he went to the lighter shades of Peru, like Machu Picchu and Cusco and Lima. So Those you went they. to all the kind of cultural places? Yeah, of course we went to the... Co- no, one's gonna, no one wants to see the, the deep cuts of Peru, you just want to get the greatest hits. Did you bring back any drugs? No, but while I was no, 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 no. <laughs> this is my. He was about to say yes, yeah, wasn't it? About Peru, and I, I can't. Peru Paddington's from Peru. Jesus, can I never get away from Paddington? Well, of course you can. It's, no, it's no, one it train haunt, station. No, you can no, go wherever haunt, you want. No, it's the bear. It haunts me. You know, it was a beautiful thing at one time. I loved it as a kid. Of course I did. And what went wrong? And as an adult, it's come back to haunt me and in dark forces. Okay. My last relationship, yeah? Was with Paddington. Well, my girlfriend used Paddington as a metaphor in which to discuss her feelings of emotional neglect in the relationship. Tell me how she did that. Well, she bought me the bear, which has a tag on it saying, please look after me, which was to relate also to my adopted psyche. And every so often we'd be sitting around, you know, she'd get the bear and, and pretend to talk with it, and she'd point with the bear's paw to the label saying, please look after me. And it was a sign... For me, to the well, car- no, I'm just, I'm really. Finished. I know. I'm just saying. I'm sorry I'm for finished. bringing Paddington up. After is what I'm we saying. After we broke up, I got rid of the bear. I took it to Oxfam, and I thought I can't keep looking at that bear who was now living in the drawer. And then I started to feel like I was neglecting oh. the bear. It was living in the drawer in the dark. It wasn't getting any attention. And um, 
I, I got rid of it and I thought I need to start getting rid of all the things that remind me of her. And then the next day, the Paddington film came out and there was a huge Paddington statue at the top of Primrose Hill. Where, <laughs> That's bad where luck. I yeah. Here I am now. Uh, I had no idea. I'm sorry. Well, there are a few. Jesus. There are a few things. First I'm of sorry. All, first of all, if she got if she got you the bear with the premeditated idea of. Pointing at the Alex, if you make the story Americans, even heavier, Americans I am going to so much have more you. psychological than the Brits. He, he is. I'm just Alex saying it seems, it seems passive-aggressive, unless she thought of it on the spot, in which case it's heartbreaking and sweet. Also, the movie came out, the movie release had been planned months in advance. That's probably true. Not, you brought, it was a mere coincidence that no, you... No, it was part of the <laughs> karma that I lived through. It's probably predestined in my natal chart that Paddington film came out the day after that, day after she gave me the gift, the person I was meant to meet, to remind me further off my feelings attached to my But you're a happy mind. soul, though, yeah? Well, you know how, you know how I am. Sure. Yeah. I haven't seen you for a while. I'm, st- I'm still standing. <laughs> so, and you're leaving London soon, yeah? I am, as an experiment. I'm going to Dorset. Um, Dorset's oh, lovely. Lovely. It is. It's full of Tories and UK voters as well. And uh, But it is... Uh, Have you found any silver linings for, for any of these clouds so far? These no, all seem... and it, no. And if you come back as a, as a, as a working-class adopted lesbian, then you might share some of my... Yeah, values. like... How, yeah, suck it up, yeah. I the don't... Most, the greatest city in the world. Yes. Going with your bohemian family to Peru. The, my bohemian know? Orthodox Jewish family. <laughs> Again, and, and you're Jewish. It just gets better. Oh, yes. It just gets better. Being Jewish historically I, I has feel, always been a great thing. I feel this love in the air. <laughs> I think Rona's about to turn and Alex uh, is I don't want to generalise, but I... Love Alex. I kind of have loved, certainly in the arts... Uh, been more influenced and appreciative of all my cultural icons being American oh, and Jewish. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's very nice. Rona, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a co- comedian as as well. Yes, I've, I've heard your name uh, bandied as a as a as a stand up as a stand up comic as a as a yeah, good stand up comic. Yeah. You don't do stand up anymore though. Well, this is the thing. Sean's always talking to me about. Yeah, I do a bit. I do some a bit of the odd appearance. I fancy doing. She needs a I'm, push. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. A, I'm in a. I'm in. I'm coming towards the end of a seven-year crisis, which has affected every area of my life. Isn't seven-year crisis? Snakes shed their skin every seven years. Yes, and there is definitely there's a cellular change every seven years. Yes, and in esoteric terms, astrological terms, which I'm. So things are looking up, right? Huh? Well, yeah. I mean, I've survived. But no, but we're about to start a new phase. I it's going to be we great. Are. So yeah. part of going away for six, seven months is actually to write over the summer. What are you going to write? Stand I'm up? I'm going to bloody write, and I'm sick Language. of saying it. <laughs> the screenplay of my first book, perhaps continue with my play I abandoned, and continue with my notes my notes my notes about stand-up that I feel when I look at again mm, sounds like you're not going to be doing stand-up for okay. a while can I, can I say what I've learned from the last 15 seconds yes please because I feel like a pattern is being established in this podcast where it's you say something that's quite loaded with meaning and humor and then and then I try to unpack it because I because I put quite a nice spin on it yeah well, I like well, here's it the thing. so I've learned that you've written that you've written a book you've written more than you've written more than one book that um, you've 
Look at Columbo go. I know, I know. And that you that so you said seven year crisis. So I'm guessing the last time you did Edinburgh was 2008 or 2009. Very good. When was the last? 2008. Yes. Okay. So you're. Well, I don't see Edinburgh as the. Center point of all. Let him speak, Ron. No, but it's good uh, so far. Defensive. No, please. So that you've got a quite distinct comedy point of view, but you've been. What is what's brought you away from stand-up comedy? What is what? Well, I'm sure it was a professional thing at first, and then you and then it seemed like a big shove to get back into it. And just not, lots of unhappiness. Was it really that? Well, in all honesty, I didn't really ever. You know, you have to appreciate that we live in a different era now mm. of, of comedy, yeah. right? It's become a much bigger business. There's a lot more self consciousness about doing it. It's seen as a, a, a gateway to a lot of opportunities. And uh, our television airwaves are saturated with fairly mediocre comedians appearing on But that shouldn't shows. stop you doing it. No, though, I'm huh? giving a little bit of backdrop to the history of when I started. So mm. I think when Sean and I started, it was, we, it was a bit like, you know, rough and ready, cash in hand. We were kind of these... Oh, I've always paid my taxes. Misanthropic. I, I had to pay back tax after the first two years because I, I, I kept all my cash for two years and didn't even have a proper manager. <laughs> and then when I first became successful, I had to pay for everything. But that aside, because not money person, um, what I'm saying is it was a bit more uh, grassroots, a bit more dangerous, a bit more organic, mm-hmm. a bit more free, right? So yeah. when I did my, when I was at height of my stand-up, so far. When was that, by the way? Uh, we'd be the 90s, okay. right? Uh, but I had quite a re-emergence in the early noughties because I did a reality show. But haven't, let's not just dismiss right, that. You right. said one of the best things ever in a reality show. I did, yeah, I suppose. I suppose you should, say, you should say, look that up. What reality show was it? The very first series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but Were you on with ago. the spoon bending fella? I was, yes, he was my ally. Oh, boy. He's, no, but Rona came out and just, as you guy. can tell already, Rona does not kind of uh, pull punches. She will, yeah. Americans would say you don't pull a punch, which yeah. I already like about you immediately. But her I think honesty, you get along, I think a comedian can get along with anyone else of any other personality type as long as they don't pull punches. Exactly, we cannot bear a repressiveness. No, of course in, not. In, in anybody's psyche. So what I'm saying is, retrospectively now, when I look back at me doing stand-up, whatever happened to me, whatever road I took, now I was at a time when I was the only. G- gay woman on out on TV doing, mm. you know, he was doing comedy, so I had a lot of stuff, you know, I don't know, a lot of other stuff to deal with. But I didn't really think about it. I didn't think about the value of it. I didn't think about the meaning of it. I didn't think how it affected me. But as I got to the end of a period of just not being able to go on anymore effectively in the way I was, I felt that the the sort of energetic um, response that I had to doing stand-up was 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 uh, draining me and perpetuating away in a way my early wounds which had always eclipsed my potential to live in a reasonable way with myself but that sounds like you're not coming back to it though sounds like you no, psyched yourself out when when um, I can already tell after Ten minutes of you in a studio where you're not doing stand-up that you that you quite have that you have that you have a stand-up comedian not in you but like you're, oh, you're yeah, stand-up no, comic you're very I much a stand-up natural. comic yeah but it's about what I want to communicate now that's that's I suppose the because the other thing is wrong. even though you were one of the first like out comics you'd never really that that wasn't part of you really though was it. 
Well, I used to say things like, uh, why, why are they staring? You'd think they hadn't seen two lesbians fist-fucking on a beach before. <laughs> that was not probably the best opener. I would have left well, that for the Well, I had to do end. that when I did things like Jonglers. Right. If I went on stage on Jonglers, you know, fucking lesbian, you know, I wouldn't just have... I wouldn't be standing there sort of muttering on about other stuff. I had to do then do turn it... Do you do you feel the elephant in the room as a part of your identity? Because like as a Jew, yeah. and not just a no, it's similar orthodox. Similar. Like I feel a, like it's a big part of my life. Like it's a part of my daily routine. And so while I don't uh, like what I eat and don't eat, and like what I do in the mor- like I pray in the mornings, even though I'm not sure I believe in God. It's something I've done since I was a child. And so like who do you pray to then? I prayed. I just, pray too. I prayed as a matter. Who do you pray to? Of, it's a matter of ritual. You God. pray. You just say the words. You think of the tradition. Universe, the universe. Code. But, like, I, I find it very hard not to talk about... I don't talk about Jews, but I talk about being Jewish as a big as a, as a part of my life. It's hard It's hard oh, to avoid. And your ancestral wounding, for a start, is, is enormous, and we, we, we carry that from, you know, as, as Celts, as, as black people, as Jews. And do you, you know? feel, do you feel as a, as, a, as a lesbian, as a, you know, as, do you feel like that's a chunk of your identity? Cause yeah, massively. But I'd say my number one identity, it would be... My my creativity, mm-hmm. but in that I will have some difficulties in, you know, relating to others and trying to get others to relate to me because certain other traits like adoption, lesbianism, cultural swimming. background, swimming—that's very hard. You love your swimming. I that swim seems every very, day, yeah. That seems very hard when your number one identity is not a um, is not a aesthetic. Or a content. It's a. Or, I'm sorry. It's not. It's. It, it is. A, it is an aesthetic instead of instead of content or a profile. That's very easy to. So mm-hmm. like some the fact that your number one identity is kind of ineffable must be. I can see where there's probably difficulty. It's but. also you know. I mean, in terms of the groups, and in t- certainly in terms of hom- male homosexuality and female homosexuality, lesbians are far overshadowed by the presence of, of homosexuality, whether it's, a, you know, um, historical information, cultural significance, but th- contribution. It's kind of sexism again, though, isn't it? It is. I, but, but I feel the older I get, the more I feel quite a bit liberated in just absolutely, and this is a natural part of growing older for all of us, and it's amplified more in the artists of course because our vocation is to transmit you know our feelings and thoughts and view of life as a sort of human map for others to ideally follow whether they're laughing or not um but so but right i don't want to stop you there but you're carried away i've had two comments no it's the thing of like i think stand-up rather than um screenplay can do that much better i agree and and i i'm absolutely with you sean i am tortured in many respects, at my lack of audience involvement, because I have got it within my You don't character. strike me as someone with someone who doesn't have something to say. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not quite sure. I could do a lecture now. Yeah. Well, but, but, but on what? Because well, how much am I projecting of my own pain, OK, now, onto what I say, because I'm slightly self-conscious about the fact that I'm approaching 50, and despite my sort of alternative views and my esoteric leanings and my knowledge... We all vote green, pre- Mona, come on. <laughs> I don't. Uh, predestined um, my belief in, in soul coding and all that stuff aside, I'm aware that I have not got in place certain things that you're sort of expected to buy this point in midlife so I have some pain about that so whatever I say 
I'm afraid maybe some of my own projected mm. fears You'll and find. others might just go but I'm quite uh, no Rona we don't actually so but Sean you that. took quite a leap back in the stand up after yeah. having been away from it for a while didn't you find that you had different things I'm, I'm yeah, guessing yeah of course like that thing of you growing as well but I felt I quit for a while because I felt I could say yeah no yeah I figured I could say it better in, in kind of novels and then actually I realised you know what I actually wasn't like uh, I wasn't as good as I thought I was as a stand up so then stand-up. as I got better I can say those yeah. things now and okay. I wouldn't dream of writing a book now stand up has always stand-up. been stand up has always it's mm. so funny because like you say that thing now about I, I disagree uh, politely, by the way, oh, with God, two, no, with two, hit with him, two, Rona, hit him. With two things <laughs> that you said. Well, for, like, like I was, uh, I'm quite new to the UK, relatively. So I'm about mm. only about two years into coming here regularly, and yeah. and to me, that two years seems to be an incredibly long portion of my life because it's my life after college, really. So it's it's the stuff that counts, what did I you guess. Study? English literature right. and um, philosophy. Wonderful. And so. Um, and so for me, uh, I think that like the comedians over here, I like younger comedians here because it seems like they have more to say. And like the ones that are my favorites are the ones who are like, whereas in the States, I'd say my favorites are in their late 40s, early mm. 50s. Like I like quite here. Oh, like, thank you. Like, uh, like <laughs> so you like something with a bit of debt. I like Bridget Christie. I like Stuart Lee. I like Josie Long. I like a lot of these. Susan Calman's on my Thank favorites. you. <sighs> Uh, I really dislike Sean Hughes. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, the, and there's a fresh joy in discovering people who are like, again, with with great respect to Sean, someone who's been established here for a while, but I don't know who they are. So when I see them for the first time, it's kind of a revelation because I don't have to stand up and be like, let's see Sean Hughes impress me with what I think Sean Hughes is like. Hmm. So that's so it's very nice. So I actually find British comedy scene to be very refreshing. The second thing I disagree with you with is that like my friendship group. I went to NYU, which is quite a like. LGBT school and I was studying the arts and English literature, mm. literature so most of my friends were LGBT and I actually found myself this might be horrible to say but I found myself much more uh, I thought the the stronger presence in my social circle even still is lesbians instead of uh, gay men Yes, well, so. I'm the same. No disrespect, I've no, loved some of my gay brothers and intensely. Yeah, yeah, of course. A couple of very long-term friendships. I speak like. to my neighbours every so often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Do you feel like you've been, that, that you, as a first out woman on television, you sort of... And, and, and have people cited you? Because I know there are a few out female comedians in the country who, who probably feel like I'm, I bet Susan probably feels some sort of not kinship but, but yes, sort of I, a debt yes I should imagine she does and I think I've read a couple of things that she said about me so yes I would assume that so that's very is that gratifying that must be gratifying well I suppose I feel it's maybe without setting out to do anything it is one of the useful contributions that least it was, I've made it was quite late when you actually came out properly though wasn't it because no. you were bisexual for a long time no you? this is what you always say this is I've just said it once fantasy because <laughs> of that one time I touched your penis wait wait, wait I've wait, got wait. a penis I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I would like Could to just, it doesn't uh, mean get I'm the... not a lesbian no but I thought you were kind of bisexual for a long time though no it doesn't mean I'm not a lesbian I'm straight face <laughs> sometimes do things. I'm not frightened of the word straight. penis <laughs> Did you did you touch Sean Hughes' yeah. penis? Was this also during the nineties, or was this? Remember on? the time I touched your penis? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was no. The 90s. Yeah. yeah. So so you I did, did you? I did touch a female comics penis. Says <laughs> yes. Penis. You get the plural. Yeah. Yes. Penis. I, I feel shocked yes. now. I feel so belittled. Um, 
I've no, I, I never came out. I was always, I was always just, I landed on well, the from open. The... That's what my book, 1979, is about. It's being out in as a kid, teenager. Wow. Um, I take it back. I apologise. No, no, I always... No, what it was is, I, when I first did stand-up, I didn't really think about how am I... Yeah. 1992, no, 91, 27 years old, 26, 7. I didn't think, how will I tackle my... Sexuality. I don't. I don't even remember saying the word sexuality mm. these days. I just thought, right, I'm going to do it. Get on the stage. You're, th- that person's right. I've got to stop just telling these stories in the pub. I could be doing this, and I just wrote down some stories, pretty anecdotal. You know, a bit Billy Connolly. Yeah, bit you Scottish people always do that. Always. <laughs> I love Billy Connolly. Times in the dark. Yeah. Right. So, and I just got up and did it. But then, uh-huh. of course. Given that I'm not a, a, a you know a, a surreal or just a political comic in in the content, when we come to talk about love, you know human sexuality, it, it was hard to always talk in generic terms. You know when they break up with you. You know when you break up with you. Know when. So I had to start saying this. This is an important point. I've just realised. Uh-huh. Um, I had to start saying she. Or, but then to an, an audience has never been exposed very much to this before. They're all sitting there trying to work out instead of paying attention to what may be funny in the story. Whether or not why the person it. said she, so their brain's still catching up with that when you've gone to what you thought might be funny. So I had to say, yeah, you know, I'm gay, blah blah blah, big deal. I've been support. I've been supporting Simon Amstel this past year. And he's a he's a out um, gay man. I so. beg your pardon. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I don't really know much about other comics. He's a very lovely. Yeah, he's he a is. lovely fella, and he's and he and so like his audience, even though his audience knows him quite well, I feel like sometimes he deals with that anything that's not the norm because comedy is such a tightrope act and such mm. a game of inches that mm. when you introduce anything that's not the norm, even if an audience is completely okay with it, and in fact maybe they're because of it, they still have to adjust yeah. to the change in light for, for, for some for, yeah people for are very a, basic aren't they mm-hmm. they are indeed yeah, those plebeians but those it's muggles. hard if you're a bit different to get an audience to relate to I but you you would hate to because I know you've done some like you do the occasional lesbian night but that would be horrible just to, if you thought you could only play to lesbians so wouldn't it uh, mm. indeed but it's easier for me to talk about relationships and sex and love and desire with yeah. a lesbian audience and I I feel I have a particular challenge with a lesbian audience in that because there's a lot of repressiveness within within lesbians, I feel, collective psyche about talking about our sexuality truthfully. Really? Well, that's my view as a I want to be part-time psychoanalyst in my head, but really comedian writer on my tax form. Um, I would like to challenge more you see the shadow of lesbianism because when you fight for your rights all the time and a lot of your life particularly if someone of my age group has been fighting against long term societal persecution it's Mm -hmm. a very depressing thing to live with whether you're black Jewish, Irish, you know, whatever, whatever your your thing is that you, you you've lived with. I find it hard being a black person most <laughs> well, of my life. Well, they, um, what happens is you you can therefore not discuss some of the other more intricate details. Do you know? I you fu- know? I struggle with in front of Orthodox Jewish audiences. Not 
not. Uh, I'm, I do some shows. We all struggle them. in front of them. Come on, Alex. <laughs> but they want to hear about Orthodox Jews. Jews do this. Yeah. Jews do that. You yeah. do this with your rabbi. You do this with your rabbi. Your rabbi. You know, rabbis never pay attention or like so yeah. this kind of thing. And so I just tell jokes about because for me, my number one identity isn't being Jewish. It's being young and living in New York with mm-hmm. other young people who are struggling to to find their way in a tough economy mm-hmm. and make a living and make an impact. And so that doesn't resonate particularly. I, I much prefer performing in front of an audience of younger people who are also mm-hmm. like, so for me, the ideal audience is like a young New yes. York City alternative night. I'll tell you but, the weird thing with me is like, um, like being from Dublin, I much prefer playing Belfast to Dublin. I see Belfast as my home gig. Wow. Why? Yes, well, I mainly find Belfast be- audiences actually easier. Mainly because really. like, I don't understand Irish culture anymore. You know, like, but Belfast is the same culture as London, you know, they've got the same... And know. it can be very, very, though beautiful in, in all these other ways, there can be a real repressiveness out in the, the other parts of yeah, Ireland. I feel, you get in Scotland yeah. as well, there's a parochial... I love playing Scotland thinking. as well, but, but, but the Celtic thing is there, Like, and I just feel it very much in Glasgow and kind of Belfast and so forth, I feel they're my kinship. I feel like maybe in one of my favourite cities that I've certainly historically felt like I've really enjoyed playing has been Leeds. Uh, I've really, I've really had great ge- and and Cardiff. I mean, I mean, uh, you're just going to name every city now. No, right? I've had, I've had, really, I felt very. Uh, but what is it about Leeds then? I don't know. I just seem to like it. I mean, they were pretty good. The Yorkshire uh, Leeds audience on that debate as well the the other week. You know, they were the best audience we've had on the debates. So There's something about them. See, I've been doing a Yorkshire accent like. for the last two months, so I don't even want to talk. <laughs> oh, right, about so that. You have. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's kind of. Uh, yeah, it's really so. Alex, do you yeah, go down better here or in America? Um, it depends on. I mean, if you took my top ten gigs from the last year, I'd say you know five are probably here, Australia, and Fiverr. Yeah, Australia, I love that. As I, well. I just got back from Melbourne and it was amazing. And I mean, Fiverr at home. I, I don't often get the chance. To, see, for me, comedy is the alpha, stand-up is the alpha and the omega, at least for now. Like, I can only imagine doing, like, I love, love doing stand-up. For well, me, the, Yeah, there's no question. It's a yeah. great, I think it's one of the greatest art Well, forms. come back then. It's a final bastion of freedom of speech. It's and totally, it's, it's total entrepreneurial. I know, I need to come back. You do, and I'm not, I'm not going to ask sure. you again, yeah. I told I'll you show you my stuff. penis if you do. <laughs> What a lure. It's not That's what he told me, and you never get to see it. It's not Listen, we're coming to the end, but we have ignored Oscar Herms, our travel expert. We started talking about it. So, um, basically, Oscar, you say it's important that you basically um, do your homework before you go away. Well, there's so many resources available to you, but I think without actually having to search the internet indefinitely, you get a sense of... It's all part of the adventure, really. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate that, Oscar. You've been listening to Under the Radar at really Michelle Hughes. This. Yeah, thank I hope you, you got really, some of that. I've really enjoyed this. I really... To meet I don't want to let you go. We're I finished? I don't want to... Hold on. Hold on, wait. Sorry, I, don't, I just want hang to on, say no, there's a, thank you before... Are we finished? There's a bonus track. What do you want to say, Alex? <laughs> I don't want to let her go until she agrees to... I think you have a distinct point of view, and I think that I think you must you absolutely must go back to do Alex, stand up. Put your penis back inside. Okay, <laughs> you've been listening to Under the Radar with me, Sean Hughes, and my special guest, Rona and Alex. Mm-hmm.